Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 15, 2021. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is pleased to announce that we held our first hybrid roundabout this past Friday, August 13. The in-person crowd began gathering around 5 p.m., and after a great picnic dinner of hot dogs, hamburgers, macaroni salad, potato salad, baked beans, and watermelon, we joined the KCB Zoom line and played bingo with four people who couldn't make it to the United Crescent Hill Ministries for the evening. We had several winners, both in person and on Zoom, and all agreed that it was lots of fun and a great first effort. This next Friday, August 20, will be an in-person event with discussion at 5, dinner at 6, and music after dinner. The following Friday, August 27, will include page-turners, our chance to share good books, and it will be both virtual and in-person. For more information, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. And remember, you can participate in our virtual activities from anywhere in the United States. Here are some more events that are taking place on the KCB Zoom line. Join from your computer, cell phone, or landline by calling 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972 or join through the Zoom link posted on our email list. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision invites everyone to its next board meeting on Wednesday, August 18 at 6.30 p.m. and its next telephone support group meeting on the same evening at 7.30 p.m. Everyone is invited to the next book club and meeting of the Tri-State Library users on Saturday, August 21 at 11 a.m. Tri-State is reading The Martian this month. It is available from both Bard and Bookshare, and it is a great read. The Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind is planning an in-person meeting at the Breathitt County Library in Jackson, Kentucky, on Saturday, August 28. Their speaker will be an eye surgeon from Pikeville. For more information, contact Frank Campbell, EKCCB Vice President, at 606-693-9360. For a complete calendar of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org and follow the events link. The KSB Alumni Association is planning to hold its 75th reunion on Friday and Saturday, September 10 and 11 at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Information packets and registration forms are now in the mail. If you would like to receive a packet, but you aren't sure if you are on our mailing list, call Carla Rushville at 502-897-1472 and ask that information be sent to you. Many blind and visually impaired people 
are interested in gardening and growing their own food, but they believe that gardening is not a very practical hobby for people with little or no vision. Not so, says Jerry Wheatley, a 1975 graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind, who is retired from the Kentucky Office for the Blind. Jerry owns an 11-acre farm, and he not only gardens, but he also has cattle and a fully working operation. Jerry is totally blind, so he is living, breathing proof that both gardening and farming are very doable for a blind person. Jerry was the speaker at the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind Social Hour on Wednesday, August 4, and we bring you the segment of the program on gardening on page 2. The American Council of the Blind held a special membership meeting on Saturday, August 14 and Sunday, August 15 for the purpose of amending the ACB Constitution to provide for electronic voting at future ACB conventions. American Council of the Blind President Dan Spoon underwent a surgical procedure on Friday before the meeting, and so recently elected First Vice President Deb Cook-Lewis from Washington State conducted the proceedings both days. The membership overwhelmingly approved the Constitution and Bylaws amendments needed to move to electronic voting at all future national conventions. This special meeting was held on Zoom and was broadcast on ACB Media One. Here are excerpts from this historic meeting. I want to welcome you all back to our um, assembly today where we will uh, conclude our process around the adopting the constitutional amendments and bylaw amendment. I am Deb Cook-Lewis. I'm your first vice president. I am the stand-in today for our president, Dan Spoon. Um, most of you probably know by now, either from email discussions or from being with us yesterday, that um, uh, President Spoon had a uh, medical procedure over the weekend that was uh, pretty significant, but he is recovering well. In fact, word has it that he uh, went shopping this morning with grocery shopping with Leslie, and that's more than I can get my husband to do. So I know Dan's doing just great. And uh, we're so glad to hear from that. We'll probably hear from him uh, sometime today um, as, and as we deliberate. And uh, this is an exciting time for all of us. So thank you for um, being here uh, today with us and we will carry on. As I said, the purpose of this meeting is that uh, this is the uh, final meeting of our proceedings on, from the convention that was um, set forth by 98% of our membership that we would have this meeting to consider uh, the possibilities of the hybrid convention and of the remote voting and voting for all members. And this is um, a historic day and uh, we want to get these proceedings underway right away. Before um, I kind of quickly walk through the agenda and we start it off, I want to let you know um, who is with me up here on the panel and kind of what their roles are so that you'll be aware of them. So basically, we have um, Rick Morin, who is um, managing our overall connectivity. 
Uh, we have uh, in the audience, uh, Jeff Bishop, who is streaming us, and he's doing that from the audience. Eric Bridges, our executive director, is here as our stream monitor. Uh, this means that uh, we recognize that something could happen to the stream. And although you need to be with us in Zoom to uh, vote or to uh, participate by um, making a comment, uh, we recognize that many people are choosing to uh, listen on the radio either part of the time or all of the time. So should the stream go down for any reason that's more than a momentary internet glitch, Eric will be advising us and we will stop the proceedings to determine um, what we need to do to get that back in place and, and going for us. So just so that everyone is uh, totally aware of that. Um, also um, up here we have John McCann who is the vice chair of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee and the primary crafter of the motions that we are considering. And he will be uh, providing the report and the recommendation of that committee. We have um, our parliamentarian, um, Denise Erminder, who is uh, going to be helping us uh, with um, all of those little parliamentary things. Um, and especially helping me, since this is uh, fairly new for me to uh, have to do all of this. So I'm very, very appreciative of her. Um, and we have Nancy Becker, who is our uh, going to be managing the hands of people. And ultimately, she will be our, um, our voting manager for the day um, and is uh, going to be managing all of those things. So um, I think that's everyone that we have up here. Now, I would like to just very briefly review the agenda. Um, you've seen it in great detail, but I will just provide a couple of logistics as we go. We're gonna start by having uh, John McCann um, review the recommendations of the uh, committee of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. And we will have with that the second reading of the amendments and the um, uh, recommendation of the committee. Uh, then I will explain to you how we will take the process for providing commentary for and against the amendments. And that is really where we are now because we've had a number of open and public opportunities to give a feedback to um, the committee and to make changes and to ask questions. And so now we will be looking at the process of taking comments favorable and unfavorable. And I will explain that process when we get there. Um, and then um, after we have taken those, um, we, we will uh, then um, be getting ready for uh, the vote. And we anticipate uh, that the voting is set to begin at 5 p.m. Eastern. If we are still um, deliberating or doing something, it could be delayed by a few minutes, but really we expect to, to be pretty close on that. At 6 p.m., we need the delegates to assemble in the location where delegates have been given to assemble. The actual delegate vote will commence at 6.15, but we need you to be present at that location, please, at 6 p.m. so that we can have a start on on-time start. Uh, during the time when, when we are voting before the delegates assemble, um, we will have some content provided by our uh, streaming folks uh, 
some convention content for your enjoyment while you vote, et cetera. But we will break from that in time for the um, for the delegate vote so we can hear the affiliate votes. And then at seven or near thereafter, uh, we will have the report of the vote. And uh, this will be after Nancy has been able to confirm and verify the vote and um, cleared it with both our secretary and our parliamentarian. So those things may take a few minutes. And if they do, uh, she will then uh, be back to us uh, shortly after that. And then that's going to pretty much um, wrap us up for this evening. So uh, we expect to move through this um, with, with pretty good uh, speed and order, I hope. All right, so now I would like to turn the meeting over to John McCann, who is the Vice Chair of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Thank you, Madam First Vice President. I'm pleased to be here and the Constitution and Bylaws Committee is pleased to advance the two constitutional amendments and one bylaw amendment that you have no doubt heard very much about. I don't think I have very much more to add other than to invite uh, a reading of the uh, uh, to playing the recording uh, of what's been played on ACB Media 10. This is the full report of the committee. And um, then come back to me for one brief comment. Report of the ACB Constitution and Bylaws Committee, August 11, 2021. At the conclusion of regular business at the ACB conference and convention on July 23, 2021, it was moved, seconded, and adopted as follows. Moved that upon the conclusion of regular convention business, this convention be adjourned until Saturday, August 14, 2021 at 8 p.m. EDT for a special order of business for the consideration of such amendments to the ACB Constitution and bylaws as may be necessary to align its meeting and voting practices with the provisions of the District of Columbia Nonprofit Corporation Act of 2010. Pursuant to that motion, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee met in open session on July 29th, August 5th, and August 10th. In addition to individual committee members, participation in several other public slash online discussion forums to receive input on circulated proposed drafts of constitutional and bylaw amendments consistent with the objective stated in the above quoted motion. The Constitution and Bylaws Committee is therefore pleased to submit the proposed amendments to ACB's Constitution and Bylaws set forth below. So we've heard the second reading of the amendment. I believe, Madam First Vice President, the only thing that I need to say at this time is that consistent with what was stated in the preamble of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee report, given the holistic nature of what we're seeking to achieve here or what we are recommending, it is the committee's intent to move that this matter be uh, considered 
uh, the, all of the amendments be considered as a whole in a single ballot vote, but that motion is not made at this time. Thank you. Yes, and the reason we are delaying that motion is to is to reduce confusion, actually, because um, that motion does not require a second and in itself is not debatable. But we are going to be taking um, debate on the merits of the amendments themselves, and we're going to be doing that at this time. We are still under the uh, adopted uh, rules for the convention, which allows for a comment period of 20 minutes. Um, we're going to make sure that it's all available to the comment period. So we're going to establish the commenters in advance, and then uh, we will take the comments. Each commenter, um, we will take them, of course, as a pro the amendments and um, against the amendments, and we'll take them in, you know, um, opposing views one to one. I'm going to take um, up to five individuals who wish to speak in favor, and then and I and I will collect the names of those, and then I will take the names of five individuals who wish to speak um, against the amendments. Um, each commenter, according to our standing rules, uh, can take up to three minutes. I would say to you that is a very long time, so please make every effort to make your comments short. At two minutes, 30 seconds, our parliamentarian will give you a 30 second warning. At the end of the three minutes, uh, she will ding a bell. I will thank you and Nancy Becker will gong you off the stage. So the first person in who wishes to speak in favor is Kathy Lyons. And the first person who wishes to speak in opposition is Michael Byington. So we will begin with Kathy. And Kathy, you have three minutes as soon as you can get yourself unmuted. Okay. I am a life member of the American Council of the Blind, and I've been to many a convention where people voted there and the people that were at home could not vote. In our 2021 conference and convention, we finally had the ability for people that couldn't afford to go to the convention or couldn't go for whatever reason to cast their vote. And I think this is a historic time in history. The Constitution and bylaws are the legal documents that would allow this to happen. And so I vote in favor of the amendments. Thank you. We will be next um, hearing from um, Michael Byington. Thank you. The first thing I want to do is commend the work of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. That is thankless work and they have done a wonderful job and most of what they have done is excellent. Until about 10 o'clock last night, I was absolutely in favor of the amendments because I didn't think that there were any other solutions. I wish I would have thought of what I will bring to you today a little bit earlier, but it really came to me just last night. I do have concerns that we will absolutely overload any Wi-Fi system, any electronic system, allowing all of the people who attend the convention live to vote by the same method that people in their homes are voting. Originally, it was said that we should not have the paper ballot system for people at the convention because it would be too confusing to use two different systems and it would be a possibility of people voting twice. I would suggest that if we simply allow 
the people who are at the convention to vote by paper ballot and people who are at home to vote by vote now or whatever system is working like that, this could solve that problem. And as far as the people who are concerned about voter security or people voting twice, if the convention registration process specifically asked one to register as to whether they will be attending in person or online, which is a likely thing that would be required in registration anyway, then people who are voting from their home area or voting online could receive the vote now code. People who are attending the convention in person would not receive that code and they would use the paper ballots. In doing this, we are using two systems that work equally well because we have proven the efficacy of both. I submit that democracy in ACB is far too important to try this grand experiment with everyone at home and at the convention both at once trying to vote online with or by electronic means with whatever technology they have. Let's go with the proven systems. I know, seconds. I know this may necessitate our going back and asking the Constitution and Bylaws Committee to do more work in drafting this solution. I am sorry about that. I didn't come up with the idea in time. I appreciate your work, but I'm doing this in the interest of democracy for ACB. Thank you. We have Ray Campbell who will speak, be speaking in favor. Uh, Carla Rushevel, who will speak following him in opposition. While I hate being put up against my good friend Carla Rushevel, um, I need to speak in favor of these amendments. First of all, to answer one of what Michael just put on the table, to counter it a little bit, what happens if you register for the convention and you say you're going to attend in person so you don't get a voting code? And then something comes up. You get sick, there's a death in the family, something like that. How would that be handled? You basically then are denying someone the right to vote, which the DC code says we cannot do. So it seems the only solution, even if you were to have a paper ballot system at the in-person convention, is to have, you'd have to send every member a voting code just to make sure they have the right to vote. <clears throat> but that's not even the bigger issue. Please membership of ACB, pass these amendments as a package, give ACB the authority to move forward in a hybrid model, because if you don't pass these amendments, we don't have any of these discussions because we can't vote remotely. We're out of compliance with the DC code, which we've been out of compliance with for about nine years. And all it would take is somebody complaining, and that could be very bad for ACB. I urge you to move ACB into the 21st century to preserve democracy and make the right to vote available to everyone and adopt all three of these amendments as one package, thereby allowing the Voting Task Force, Resolutions Committee, and everyone else who needs to be involved to move forward and figure out the logistics of making this all work and work in a universally accessible way for everyone. Thank you very much. All right, and Carla? So thank you. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm afraid, and I, at least it appears to me, we are totally disregarding the current ACB Constitution. Um, the Constitution and the standing rules 
speak to putting a motion on the floor, followed by debate of that motion, the privilege to amend that motion if necessary, and subsequent votes. With the process we're following today, we do not have a motion on the floor. We are making comments on the motion. We are not even debating the motion because it hasn't been pre presented. We cannot amend. We, in fact, are voting on two amendments that require a two-thirds vote and one bylaw amendment that only requires a majority vote. And we're told we can't do it separately because we don't have enough time on vote now. If we don't have enough time on vote now to vote today, how are we going to have enough time on vote now to vote on all kinds of other things in the future? We are basically tossing out the Constitution because um, we do have a very important issue here, but we need to find a way to get this done that is in compliance with our Constitution, not something that we're going to just push through. So, Madam Chair, I am going to move that we divide the motion. Oh, you're going to have to be more specific than that. Well, um, divide the motion. What does that tell us how you're going to divide mean the that motion? We, that would mean that we divide the three parts into three standing parts. We have two constitution amendments okay. and one bylaw amendment. All three of those can be considered separately. 30 seconds. Okay. Are you, are you uh, complete, Carla? Yes, I am. All right. We, we um, need to pause to find out if there is a second for Carla's motion. Um, yeah. I have a hand up that just came up, which is Chris Gray has a yes. hand up. Uh-huh. You can take Chris. Chris, I'm are you on mute alert? Are you rising to second Carla's motion? Yes, I second the motion. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so the mo the motion has been made and seconded. By the way, we do have uh, basically the motion was made as as um, through the committee report. Uh, it was recommended that these be adopted. So we do we are actually operating. Um, in, in accordance with our processes that we have. But we now have a motion on the floor, which as I understand it, and I will um, make sure that I have it correct, um, the motion is that we take the two constitutional amendments and bylaw and that we vote them as uh, individual items on the And now lower alert. Is that, is that a correct interpretation of the motion, Carla? Just give me one second here, I gotta find yeah, we Madam, Pre yeah. Madam First Vice President? Yes, John. I rise to a point of order here. Yes. There is no motion, I think, okay. on the floor at this time okay. that they be oh. uh, considered as a whole. Okay. I indicated my intent to make that yes. motion. Yes, okay, okay. But she is making a motion that we consider them as parts. Okay, and that supersedes, okay. And she can and she can do that Excellent. because okay. there's no motion on the floor. So she can make a motion that they be considered as separate items on the ballot. Okay. And we can do that. Okay. Um, so now let's see. Um, we, I guess we need to have discussion of that motion and hold in abeyance the other 
comments that we have. Um, quick parliamentary question. Do we need to have the same um, amounts of time and numbers to do this? Madam Chair, point of order. Yes. Uh, th this motion is uh, non-debatable. Why is this motion non-debatable? Because I need to the motion to divide is non-debatable. We're not, it's not yes. a, yes, is that correct? Yes. Okay. You need to okay, thank you. and take your vote. Thank you, we will, we shall do that. Thank you very much. That's what I'm looking for. All right, we will in fact then take a vote. This vote will require a 50% um, favorable vote. The motion on the floor is to separate the two constitutional amendments and bylaw into three individual initiatives on the ballot to be voted. Um, and we will begin that vote now. So I need all hands to be lowered. And when you are ready, you can report the vote. So in favor, 45, opposed, 128. Okay, so that is clearly more than 50%, even with my poor math skills. Um, so the motion to separate the items is, is defeated. Again, I want to remind you that um, all of the concerns that have been raised um, today and, and at other times related to how people will vote, particularly inside the convention, um, will be definitely addressed in the process of the convention, the uh, voting 2.0 task force, and the, also in the with respect to the resolutions 2.0 task force, because we do have to iron those kinds of things out. I really wouldn't assume at all that everybody will have to sit next to each other and vote in the convention room, nor would I assume that we will be asking people to run back to their hotel room and then run back to the convention room. So I, I know those things are definitely a worry to all of us, um, and um, that's all really understandable, but that is um, something that we absolutely plan to have addressed we can't address it without moving forward with some of the other things. Yeah. All right. I, I yes. do have one hand up and it happens to be Dan Spoon. So I'm not. I will sure. take Dan Spoon. I guess I will not decide he's out of order. All right, Dan. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, yeah. <laughs> I come today with a lot of emotion, guys, but let me gather myself. Hey. ACB, it's great to talk to you. I just want to let you know, as your president, you have my assurances that we will form a voting task force 2.0. We will form a resolutions 2.0. We will work with the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. We will make sure that there will be no one disenfranchised for voting if they are in the convention uh, through this process. We the reason we want, uh, if we move forward with this as a membership, uh, there will be some cost involved in this, and we will have to budget that. And part of those costs will be having the appropriate infrastructure in the hotel to support this. But that is a commitment that we as leadership have made. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that I plan to move forward, put those ad hoc committees in place, and we will make sure that we have equal access for people in the convention 
or if they're working uh, remotely. So that we don't know exactly what that answer is, but we know there are multiple solutions out there and we will come out with the best one for our membership. Thank you, Dan. Now I'm feeling really emotional. It is so good to hear you and good to hear you sounding strong and ready to lead us. I think you should come up here and do that right now. <laughs> I believe we actually do need a motion on the floor so that we can go forward to um, vote. Um, and we have the polls ready to vote. Uh, John, will you please? On behalf of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, I move consistent with the scope of the charge given to this committee by the motion, which was adopted on July 23rd, that the proposed constitution and bylaw amendments as distributed to the membership in our report of August 11th be acted on as a whole in a single ballot vote. Okay, and that does not require a second because it is the um, uh, committee's recommendation. Vote. Vote. Yes, vote. She says vote. Yes. But are, are all the hands down? All hands are down. Thank you. Okay. All in favor of the motion as expressed by the Constitution and Bylaws Committee will uh, vote um, now. Those in favor? And again, that motion is to take these as one block when we go to vote now. And those opposed to sending forward this motion as a block will raise their hands. All right, and we'll take the count when you're ready. I have 164 in favor and 13 opposed. All right, that clearly passes. So now that moves us to our next phase, which is that we will be uh, in, uh, I guess, recess until uh, we convene for the, the affiliate vote. So the polls um, are open. The vote now Actually, is Deb, not open. Yep, give us two minutes and we'll have- Give us time. two minutes and it will be open. Yeah, give her five. We, we got plenty of time to vote here. All right, we will begin with the roll call. Arizona. Three votes. Thank you. Um, Arizona casts all of its no, votes. No, two, I'm sorry, two. I I'm sorry. Say, yeah, I, yeah, that was a delicate two. issue. Um, <laughs> I hope you get it right. All right, thank you. Arizona mm -hmm. casts its two votes, yes. Two, yes. California, 22 votes. California cast its 22 votes, yes. 22, yes. Florida, 25 votes. Florida cast 25 votes, yes. 25, yes. Oops. Thank you. Georgia, five votes. Georgia casts four votes, yes. One vote, no. Four, yes. One, no. Iowa, three votes. Iowa votes 2.5, yes. 0.5, no. 2.5, yes. 0.5, no. Uh, attorneys, two votes. Avia, uh, two, yes. Two, yes. Families, three votes. A ACB families votes 1.5, yes, and 1.5, no. 
1.5 yes, 1.5 no. And everybody? Everyone has been called twice. Madam Chair, that completes the call of the roll. I think we're done, you guys. Okay, so we have now completed the affiliate vote and we are now waiting for the rest of our voting time to elapse. That will be at the top of the hour at 7 p.m. Eastern time. This is Deb Cook-Lewis back with you all again. And it is very exciting to uh, still be here with you. The poll is now closed. The voting is now closed. It is after 7 p.m. Eastern. And it will be a few minutes uh, because um, Nancy Marks Becker, our voting officer, uh, will be uh, conferring and confirming with our secretary, Denise Colley, and with our parliamentarian, Denise Erminger, before she reports the vote to us. And speaking of Denise Colley, I really owe Denise an apology when I was telling you who all was up here um, today on our on our uh, invisible stage uh, for our um, events today. Of course, Denise was here as our secretary to uh, take down the um, proceedings of the meeting and had any of the motions made been much longer so that I couldn't remember them, she might've been called on to read them back to us. Are you back? I am ready for you. Uh, all right, Nancy Marks Becker is our elections manager and Nancy, will you please give us the outcome of our elections? I sure can. So grand total of 740, yes, 53, no, and there was 793 votes. So 350 or 94.1% of the, of the vote, of the affiliate vote was yes, 22 or 5.9% of the affiliate vote was no. Of the individual votes, 390 or 92.6% was yes. 31 or 7.4% was no. So I believe this concludes the special order business um, that ACB was authorized to conduct on these two days of August 14 and 15. I Very move good. that the convention stand adjourned in the All conclusion right. of the and, and I need a second, I assume, for that. Doug Powell. Zoom webinar. Window I second. Zoom webinar. All right. All in favor of of adjourning the convention. I believe that we will declare the special order session of the uh, 2021 American Council of the Blind Convention adjourned. Page two. If you're ready, Jerry, we'll take it over then. All right. I like it when they say take it over. I, I was going to start with gardening because to me, you know, gardening is farming. It's a, you know, it's a big part of farming. When I grew up, you know, our garden was always, we always had a great big garden and that's a big part of how we ate through the year you know, by gardening and, you know, canning and almost anything you could think of, we can, my mom can. So, so, and the, the gardening itself, I mean, if you're totally blind or blind or have a vision problem, one of the, uh, you know, the, the big deal is weeding 
and keeping from stepping on your food or your plants. And uh, so I, I'm going to get into that a little bit. And just just in general, I think, and, and it is for me, I grew up on a farm. And like I said, I farmed for a long time, moved to the city and, you know, built houses and stuff like that. But I primarily, my day job was working uh, for the Kentucky Assistive Technology Services Network, uh, dealing with assistive technology and issues for people with disabilities. But the physical part of farming, or if you farm, you always, it's just part of you. It's, it's, it's always there. So I retired back to a a farm, at least to play farm some, but just the ability, I think, to be able to grow your food, to can stuff you need, to be able to do it, not necessarily that you have to do it, just the ability to do it is is kind of a, a great feeling to know that if the need comes, you can, and you, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, I think of it as like a survival thing, a survival skill. And it's, I think it's amazing how many people, if they couldn't go to the grocery today or this week or next week, what would they do? I mean, most of us, I mean, it's just, we are so dependent on grocery stores and, and what they have and what they don't have is just, it's amazing. I mean, it's like, I guess this past year or so, when it was a little harder to get certain things, you think, wow, you know, what would I do if I couldn't get to that store? So uh, that's one of the, one of the reasons I really like still gardening and still farming some, it's just to prove that I can do it and not that I have to, I can afford to go to the grocery, but I just love doing it. But anyway, we'll get back to gardening a little bit. And like I said, the, the big problems that I ran into farming as totally blind is the fact first off uh, and and first I'm going to talk about when we're gardening out in the ground regular not raised beds not container gardening I'll get to those in in a minute but like I primarily uh, the garden that I'm raising uh, raised now out here on my little baby farm is probably less than a quarter acre it's not real big because you know just it's 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 more than I need but it's still out out of the yard. Uh, you know, I still be able. I still need to be able to find it. I need to be able to get to my garden rows and not step on my plants. And I need to be able to keep it weeded. So the methods that I use is kind of what I was going to go into. Some one of the methods that I use is what I call box gardening. I'll take uh, just a standard O2 by four. And I'll cut them like, uh, say, four foot, four foot lengths. And I'll screw them together, make me a box. And then I'll go out in my plowed up garden, which is, you know, in this in the spring or whatever time I'm deciding to plant, whatever I'm deciding to plant. And and I'll I'll fix me a row uh, on, you know, my first row. Uh, I'll, I'll use like a, what I use is, elect, I don't know if any of you guys ever heard of, they used to do electric fences with wire. Now they have a rope with a, with a fine wire running through it. And it's a rope about the size of your little finger. And that stuff is wonderful to take out. And once my garden is tilled, uh, you know, plowed up, ready to, ready to plant, I will take, and if I'm going to do a row, 
I'll take that electric fence rope and you could use any kind of rope. And let's say my garden's about a hundred foot long because it is. And I'll take a couple of stakes and I, and I use electric fence plastic stakes, which are fiberglass, whatever they are, they're about $2 a piece. And I'll, I'll put one at each end of the garden uh, and, and I'll stretch that rope and up about, you know, a foot off of the ground. And that's my rope. So when I come up to my garden, I find that rope. And then I know right on the other side of that is my first row of garden. And so like usually in that first row, I'll put these wooden boxes and I'll put them maybe a couple feet apart. And like, for example, what I usually put in those wooden two by four boxes, does that, does that make sense that I just take, say you take four pieces of two by four, three or four foot long, whatever you want. And you just simply screw them together. And then I walk them out to the garden. I lay it down on the tilled up dirt, ready to go. Right. Don't stake it down or anything. And within that spot, uh, normally in those boxes, I'll put my zucchini, which is pretty good stuff, and or my cucumbers or beets, uh, those type things I'll put in those boxes. And that way, when I when when I need to weed that box to keep that box clean of weeds, the only thing I have to worry about is weeding within that wooden box. So I can walk out, find my rope. I know I'm at my first row and then those boxes will be up, up the beside that rope on the inside of that rope. And, and, and I don't usually don't step on anything and, and it's easy to weed and I'll take a hand mower and I, I can actually do it or somebody else can do it. And I keep the stuff around it mowed. Now, the other thing that I do, let's say I want my second row. I won't put those rows like in a typical garden when I was growing up, we'd put things, we'd set things out with a tobacco setter. You know, the same thing we set with a, you know, when we set tobacco, we put our rows maybe, you know, 38 inches apart, right? So we did our garden 38 inches apart. We'd set out a row of tomatoes and, and, and so you had to keep it plowed and hoed and it was a pretty big job. But with being blind, I separate my rows. I put them about six, seven feet apart. So my next row, I would do the same thing with the rope and I would have it roped off. And that way, uh, I'll get into what that second row might be in a minute, but that way, who's ever doing my mowing can mow up between the rows with the mower and keep everything in between that mowed down. And I don't have to worry about weeding between my rows. And Usually, like I have a row of those boxes that I mentioned, and I'll have normally beets and cucumbers and zucchini and things like that in that row with the boxes. And like I'm a big, I, I love potatoes, obviously. So maybe my second row would be potatoes. And what I'll do there is I don't do the boxes, but what I'll do is I'll go up through beside that rope again on one side of it, right to the edge of it. And I'll make me a, I'll rake me up a ridge. I'll get down on my knees and I'll take a rake and I'll rake that ridge up both ways. And I'll keep it, you know, to where I get a, a ridge built up and it might be a foot wide and six, eight inches tall. And that ridge is what I will go back and then I'll plant my potatoes in it, for example. And I usually put those out middle of March if I can. I've already dug my potatoes. They did really well, but Again, I can find the row 
And the only thing I have to worry about as far as weeds is keeping the ridge and about a foot on each side of that ridge weeded. And I, and I can do that without, without too much trouble. And usually with the rope, I don't step on and the ridge together. I can usually find what I'm doing and I don't step on my potatoes and, and, and destroy them. So, so that is two of the main methods that, that I use as far as being blind to do gardening. And, uh, and I, I prefer my garden out just, you know, basically similar to the way I did it as a kid when I could see. So it just feels more comfortable to me. Now I have done, and, and I'm going to get a little bit into container gardening because it's still gardening and it's still uh, in a lot of ways you can grow stuff that away. Just, I mean, you can grow tomatoes and things like that in a container and you can really have pretty good success. I, when I lived in Louisville, I just had a small backyard and I had, uh, you know, the ground was terrible. Uh, you, you couldn't grow a rock in my backyard because it was all clay and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I would container garden in my backyard and I could take a couple of pretty good sized containers, you know, they're, I think they're like 15 gallons, something like that. And I, I would grow three or four tomato vines. And, and I mean, I could can in, in a season 40 or 50 quarts of, the, of tomatoes off of that, you know, which is pretty good for, you know, an area that small. So the, the container gardening is, is something almost anybody can do. And it, it makes it to where you can get up to that container again without stepping on stuff because i don't know about you guys but that's something that it's pretty easy for me to do is to step on things and and i mean you you go to all the trouble to you know trying to raise a nice garden and you've got whatever whether it's corn or bush beans and uh, and things like that and you wind up stepping on them and destroying your plants it's kind of piss you off but uh it's just, it's just another option. And con like with container gardening, I didn't go with all of the, you know, you buy these potting soils and all that kind of stuff. I used to just try to get some decent dirt and I'd mix it with peat moss or something like that and, and try to make it as typical soil as possible. And, and it usually didn't have too much trouble. It usually, uh, it usually turned out pretty well. The, uh, the one of the other things that I do, with the ridge, you know, like if you want to do back to the, to the rope and the ridge, like I do with potatoes, I do the same thing. I don't do pole beans. I do bush beans because I think the bush beans are simpler and, and you get just as I think just as good beans and probably the volume might not be quite as good, but they're much easier for me to grow, but I'll do them the same way. I'll do the, do the rope you know, some sort of rope. I mean, you can use the electric fence rope if you want, because you can buy that stuff like 600 feet, pretty reasonable. And, uh, and it stretches out. And sometimes if you're doing like a hundred foot, I'll have another stake in the middle where it doesn't sag around too much. But, uh, you know, I'll do the same thing with that ridge of bush beans. I'll just, I'll go through, get out on my knees. I'll take a rake and I'll just rake me up a ridge right beside of my rope. And then I'll go back and, put my, you know, push my beans down through, through the top of that ridge down in there pretty good. And 
then all I have to worry about weeding. And again, I keep my rows pretty far apart. Well, we can get our uh, get our lawnmower between those rows pretty easily. And so the only thing I have to worry about weeding and hand weeding is the ridge and, uh, you know, maybe a foot on each side of that ridge. And it's, it's not too hard. Uh, you know, it, it, it works pretty well. And I'll use a, I'll use a hoe a little bit, not up on the ridge itself, but I'll use it on the side of the foot area. I'm telling you about to keep the weeds out. And if you, if you stay on it, you know, and, and don't leave it for a few weeks before you come back to weed it, you can do a pretty good job keeping those, keeping those weeds down. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake that most of us make in a garden is letting our weeds take over. I know it is for me because once they take over, it's done. But it's like, I guess over the last couple of months, we have just, you know, all the cucumbers and the problem with cucumbers and zucchini and things like that, they come all at once and there's no way you can use them all. And uh, so, you know, just, just the way it is. If you want to get into canning zucchini or we've done some of that, but I don't know, for some reason, it's just so much better fresh. And we use, we use a lot of zucchini, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a health food and it's supposed to be the, one of the low carb squashes and we'll take and use an air fryer and, uh, and, and slice it up into, to fry, you know, like you would French fries and they're pretty good. I, I wouldn't have ever thought so, you know, being the bad eater that I was for years, but it's, it's actually pretty good. So, but a lot of those foods just come on really quick. And if you're into canning, like we can our beans and we'll can tomatoes and, but there's just certain things we don't can. We'll save the potatoes. I don't know if anybody's got into growing a lot of potatoes and trying to save them, but they're fairly easy. You just, you dig them, let them dry out and find a cool place. And, uh, and, and they'll keep, they'll keep a long time. And if you have a basement, you can keep those things for a big part of the winter. And uh, it's pretty nice to be able to go down and just pick up your own potatoes that, you know, haven't had, you know what's been on them, you know, what kind of chemicals has been on them, if, if any, and that kind of thing. So just one of the things that uh, I think is enjoyable about, you know, your gardening part of farming is being able to eat that food that you can trust. The, uh, I, I don't know, one of the things growing up on a farm in the 70s, 60s and 70s, is we did use a lot of chemicals and I always figure someday I'll pay for that because I always hand sprayed my tobacco. We hand sprayed the garden. We hand sprayed almost every, you know, for, for, and tobacco, you'd spray it for suckers, uh, you know, on your garden, you, you know, or your tobacco, you'd spray for tobacco worms. You use seven and blow in your face, but I try not to use too many chemicals. And uh, so, you know, with the, Japanese beetles and things like that sometimes you have to or they can destroy uh, a you know a row of potatoes you know quickly they get on there and they get running I mean they can do it in a week or two pretty damn quick uh anyway uh anybody want to talk about a garden before I move on to something else all right we'll just We'll just move right on. Uh, 
the, let me see, uh, I, I talked about the boxes. And, and I'm telling you, those two by four boxes really work. I'll take uh, some time here in late August and I'll put me a couple more boxes, to uh, a couple of my old boxes that squash was in. And the, my squash is about gone. I've got a, you know, it's been producing for about five or six weeks, my squash has. and But they're about gone. So I'll take those boxes. And what I'll do is reuse them for beets because uh, we we don't can beets, but we love raw beets. We, we cut up beets and, and eat them raw. And I would have never thought I would have ever done that when I was a kid, but I really like them. They're, they're actually pretty good. So we'll sow fall beets and fall turnips and fall, uh, sometimes radishes, but we're not into radishes much. But again, we'll use those boxes. You'd be surprised how much you can grow in a little three by four or four by four or three by five, whatever size box you want to, you know, drop down. Anybody has any, any way I can help or any way that somebody can teach me. Like I've learned a couple of things today and it's pretty cool. Thank you. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I'm dancing up, well, I'm dancing up, yeah.